This is 105.9 The Region, where parents talk and explore practical, proactive, and evidence-based solutions. This is Where Parents Talk with Leanne Castellino. Thanks for joining us. I'm Leanne Castellino, and this is Where Parents Talk here on 105.9 The Region. Exploitation of children and youth online has increased in recent years, according to Statistics Canada. In the first year of the global pandemic in 2020, there was 31% more police-reported cybercrime incidents in Canada than in 2019. In 2020, the presence of online child pornography reported by police was 35% higher than a year earlier. In 2022, Cybertip.ca, a national tip line, says it received 800 reports of online luring compared to 600 a year earlier. So how aware is the average parent about the prevalence of cyber abuse or sextortion, a crime that involves blackmail of a sexual nature for profit? Our guest today lost her daughter to sextortion in 2012. Carol Todd is an educator, author, mother, and founder of the Amanda Todd Legacy Society. Amanda Todd took her own life at the age of 15 after years of being bullied and tormented by an online predator. Her mother, Carol Todd, joins us today from Port Coquitlam, BC. Thank you for being here. Thanks for inviting me. It has been more than a decade since Amanda's passing. How are you and how have you been able to cope with the loss of your daughter? It's had its ups and downs. Um, the one thing that that brings me up is knowing that Amanda's voice is still out there, that I can talk about her, that the world can continue to learn about her story. Um, and this wouldn't be possible if she hadn't created that eight minute YouTube video um, illustrating and, and sharing her story. And um, to further that, many people think that the video, because it was created approximately five weeks before her death, that it was a note to everyone, a suicide note, but it wasn't. It was Amanda's sharing her story because she wanted her her peer-based um, cyber abusers, right, to know that she wasn't afraid of them. She was taking her power back and she wanted to share her version of the story and I mean, never would we think that she left her story behind for others to learn about. So um, if it wasn't for Amanda, I probably wouldn't. If it wasn't for Amanda leaving her video, um, posting it and sharing it, which it's been viewed about 50 million times, um, she might have just become a statistic in in that mental health sphere of conversation. Right, um, a statistic, but because she left her story behind um, visually, uh, we can continue to watch it, learn about it, and and more importantly, talk about it. And you've taken that video, and you've taken the grief and the pain, and you've channeled it into furthering that legacy in terms of educating and making others around you aware. When you go and talk to parents and you talk to schools and universities, what are you hearing 
from the people you talk to that really strikes you, perhaps even surprises you uh, with respect to cyber abuse, sextortion, et cetera? I think the most surprising elements would be when um, after I've presented or, or spoken on stage, others come up to me and, and they share their story. It, it released them to be able to talk about any abuses or online abuses that happened to them. And so even the mental health aspect, um, and then knowing that they can be directed to someone who, who can support them. Um, the other the other aspect would be individuals who parents who come up to me and thank me because it's all of a sudden opened the door. Um, it's given them knowledge and it's opened up um, the possibility of them having conversations with their kids. Now, when you watch Amanda's video, there's, you know, there's different segments in it. There's mental health. There's the technology use. There's the bullying. There's the cyberbullying. Then there's the offender. Um, that predated her. Um, there's just lots of bits and pieces that um, someone, people can can relate to in, in different ways. And so those are the most outstanding pieces. And then um, I think after, after I get home and then I receive a message through email or through text or through one of my social media platforms um, saying thank you for sharing that story. Um, I'm a mom too. And um, it really opened my eyes and it, it it made me really think about how children um, grow up these days and how hard it is. Uh, and um, you've given me lots of, of tips and pointers that I can, I can talk to with my kid. And I didn't know that before. So those, those are the kinds of things that, that have stuck with me over the years. If you were to try to encapsulate what your overarching message is to parents specifically when you go out and meet them and when they are in contact with you about how serious an issue this is and one that continues to grow, what is that overarching message to them? I think the overarching message is not to be afraid of the conversation, not to be afraid of learning more about the technology digital world that our children are living in presently because it's 2023 um because knowledge is power and and when you don't know what's going on um it's hard to sit down with your child and and have that conversation about online safety or um talking about sextortion or even for literacy as it is right um and and so it's gaining more knowledge and it's not just by going to one presentation or listening to one webinar. Um, it's listening to a variety of them because I promise you that every time you sit and, and listen to an expert or a parent speak, you will pick up tidbits along the way, new tidbits all the time. And remember, technology is ever evolving. It changes probably every 24 hours. A new app comes up new privacy setting, um, the, the like Apple and Microsoft and Samsung, they're always coming up with um, new buttons on your phone. So it's keeping up with the knowledge so that we can continue to keep up and talk with our kids about the newest trends or um, 
whatever's out there. You are listening to Where Parents Talk on 105.9 The Region. I'm Leanne Castellino in conversation with Carol Todd, mother of Amanda Todd, who took her life in 2012 after being exploited and stalked online for years. The accused, a man from the Netherlands, was convicted in 2022 of child luring, child pornography, and other offenses. He is currently serving a 13-year sentence. Carol, if you had the ability to fix this issue with a magic wand, what would be the first thing you'd do? If I had a magic wand, I would want every parent, caregiver, grandparent, law enforcement officer, um, just everybody, every adult out there to sit and um, learn about how technology works, how the internet works, how the the social media platform works, how our kids are thinking, um, knowing that, that and realizing that our children are our children and youth are faced with a world right now that is more probably more complex than it's ever been. Um, and, and because of that, we have to be compassionate, understanding when we listen to them, right? Oftentimes, our first reaction might be if our child talks to us um, about something that they've done or they've seen or they've experienced, um, we give them the what fors. And we have to, I guess we have to build that relationship of trust because if you are going to get upset at your child, get mad at your child for doing whatever action they might have done. Um, and, and we can even say, I mean, there there are bullies, cyber bullies, harassers out there that are kids, right? Um, but if we judge and shame our kids, they won't come to us and they won't listen to us. And so it's taking a minute to take a deep breath and, and understand and, and say to your child, I'm here for you no matter what. Um, if, if there's a problem, I will help you get out of it um, because that's our role. That's our job as, as a parent or a caregiver, right? Uh, there are so many kids that have non-support and um, that, that's distressing because it affects overall mental health of our kids, right? I just saw a... Um, an article that came out today that says one in seven young persons in Ottawa have thought about suicide. And one in seven, that, that's like, oh my gosh, right? It is a frightening thought. There are going to be many parents watching and listening to this interview who are going to feel helpless. You're talking about, you know, complex family structures and communication in certain families can be a challenge as well. How do you suggest that parents can be proactive when we're talking about something that is a crime or can be considered a crime uh, and how to address it in their own homes? My other life, when I'm, I'm not working on Amanda's legacy, um, is I'm an educator in British Columbia have been for about 38 years. Um, my recent portfolio as a teacher coordinator would be one on digital literacy, citizenship, and online safety. Also with my vested interest in exploitation and sextortion. Um, 
so I went on the internet and I, I searched up like sextortion and resources. Um, there are many, many resources online for parents on the area, on the conversation of exploitation and sextortion. And so that is probably one of my first go-tos because presentations are few and far between. In Canada, if, if um, you want to learn more about sextortion or if your child's being exploited online, we have, you, you, first of all, you should report it. And so you can report it to your local police agency or cybertips.ca. Um, and then after that, if you want resources on how to talk to your kids, um, just what it is. And so you can go to Canadian Centre for Child Protection. There's parent resources there. You can go to Teleswise. There's resources there. Media Smarts. Um, the RCMP also has a website of of links and helpful information. And then you can go beyond Canada. And and lots of times people say, well, if if it's happening in Canada, then we should stick with Canadian resources. And I beg to differ about that one because there's lots of countries that are doing wonderful, great work on um, informing. And that includes the US, that includes Australia, that includes the UK. Um, and so going to cybertips.com, which is run out of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. There's parent resources there. Um, the FBI in December released um, uh, a press kit of information. I had heard that this was the first time the FBI had released a full, a, a, like a full thing on sextortion to their country. And they just Google FBI sextortion. And on the webpage is um, two sections when you scroll down. And one is what to know more about as a parent and how to talk to your kids. What do kids need um, on this topic? And then there's a whole bunch of links. It's one of the better sites that I've gone to, to, to look at. Um, also, thorn.org, and that's a organization that was established by Ashton Kutcher and Denny Moore on exploitation and child sexual abuse. Now, you have to know the definition um, exploitation and sextortion is child sexual abuse. There's also um, a website called uh, Sexual Exploitation Education, which has a lot of good information on exploitation in itself, um, technology facilitated exploitation, um, activities, lessons, resources. Those are the go-tos. More of our conversation with Carol Todd, educator, advocate for internet safety, and founder of the Amanda Todd Legacy Society when Where Parents Talk continues after the break. Want to learn more about the show? Email info at whereparentstalk.com. Stick around. Leanne Castellino and Where Parents Talk will be right back on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to Where Parents Talk. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Here's Leanne Castellino. Welcome back. We are talking about the increase in cyber abuse, in online exploitation and extortion related crimes, and what parents and kids need to be aware of. Our guest is Carol Todd, 
teacher, speaker, and founder of the Amanda Todd Legacy Society. Amanda took her own life in 2012 after years of being stalked and sexually exploited online. Carol, the resources exist, but the numbers show that these types of crimes are increasing. Are we moving in the right direction here, in your view? Well, 10 years ago, 10 and a half years ago when Amanda died, and we found out that she had been exploited online. Um, but the conversations were few and far between. We were focused on cyberbullying back then, not on online exploitation as what happened to Amanda. And so uh, my, my thinking back, my fear is that everyone thought it was a one-off. It was, it was a fairly new word that was presented in our lives. More recently, and, and I guess with COVID, with everyone on remotely and kids were not going to school, they were on their devices and, and oftentimes um, it was the only way that they could communicate and, and have a, a, I guess, a, a, a social life, right, remotely. Um, so apps with with chat platforms, you would meet, um, they would meet new people that they soon called friends, even though they didn't meet them. Um, it, it sort of, in Media Smarts, which is another resource, um, it said that 68% of kids um, have friended and are talking to people they've never met online. Now that's 68 out of every 100. That's a huge number of kids that are just randomly chatting. And so also the the amount of scams and 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 phishing um p h i s h i n g um things that have come up online have increased not only to kids but also to young adults, older adults, seniors. Um and that there's a financial end to that, right? And so when you go to Cyberchips and you see sextortion up there and there's that huge 150% increase, um, the increase could be due to people are reporting it more or there's just an overall increase. Now, sextortion with boys is, is typically financial sextortion. 75 out of every 100 cases reported to Cyberchips recently um, have to do with boys and 25% have to do with girls. And with girls, it's the requests for additional images and videos, right? Um, now, financial sextortions usually run by rings of offenders um, out of, could be Canada or other countries. And so I liken it to an Amway sort of thing where the offenders get other people involved and it becomes lucrative because online there's a million it's it's like the ocean there's a million fish out there and if if one falls off the hook they go and they find another one and so these predators are preying on our children um and there's lots and lots of children out there that are available to them and it, it can start on a a simple gaming platform where you know, you see an, a young person just type, right? I'm so mad at my mom. or, And then that is that is the hook for them. And so um, the offender will oftentimes um, 
have an alias of, you know, a same age peer and just strike up a conversation. And our kids are, are just open to talking to people because they've learned that this is the way that they can broaden their horizons. And so it's kind of cool to say, oh, I was just talking to someone in Australia. Um, but really behind the screen, you don't know what kind of person is behind that screen. Is it is it someone your age or is it someone who's 40 years older? Is it a male? Is it a female? We don't know. And so those are the, some of the, the perils out there that we have to talk to our kids about, right? Don't give private information away. Kids are so easily, predators are smart, right? And it's like, what's your name? Like, do you play sports? What's the, what color is your is your soccer jersey? Where do you play, right? And and kids are so forthcoming in that information that it's not hard to put it together, and then go searching on the internet once you find a general location. Um, and then and then these, as I saw in Amanda's trial with her predator, um, he had files and files. So he had file of Amanda and then inside that file were subfiles of her friends inside that, that those subfiles were um, friends of friends and so information out there is so easily had and found um, and that's why we have to um, be more cognizant of, of privacy and and oversharing and who we talk to and not to get sucked down that rabbit hole it's so easy to it definitely is. There are parents out there who, uh, you know, will not get a chance to to hear somebody talk about this, may not think they need to be educated, all of these things until it then becomes an issue in their family. What would be your message to that parent to say, you know what, this is reality in 2023 with the internet and social media and where we live and how we're communicating? Well, it's to have conversations with your kids. When you're having the conversations with your kids, don't like direct your questions. Don't focus them on on your kid. Like, what are you doing online? Maybe talk about it in parameters of um, what are what are all kids doing online? Or or someone at work just you know had a conversation. They're really worried about their their own child and what what they're doing online. So could you could you fill me in on some stuff so that I can have a conversation with this other mom? Kids are helpful. They want to help and give information. But maybe through that method, you can find out what your own child knows about online safety. It becomes all about online safety and, and what you can do to better protect yourself. Because it's just like as parenting, when our kids are little, we we go to the playground and, and we scope it out and make sure that the playground is safe, like that the, the, all the screws are in, there's no glass on the ground, right, where they're playing. We look around for to see if there's even strange people, people that don't belong in the park. Um, we have to do that in the tech world, in the digital world for our kids. And then we have to teach our kids how to look themselves, how to, because our kids aren't always under our eyeballs right? We can't always be watching them. So we have to give them the digital toolkit on how they can stay safe. Or another another way that I talk to kids is if you are listening to a presentation, take in that information, not just for yourself, but if you have younger siblings, 
or younger cousins, or if you have grandparents or elders that you want to protect online, maybe take this information so you can share it with them and protect them, right? And so what you're doing is you're empowering them, but you're not doing it just focused on them because kids don't like to be the focus of anything, right? Um, and, and so I found that that's, that's a, a good strategy to use um, in, in talking to our kids. It's about conversation. It's about trust. And it's about learning about um, what you need to talk to about with your kids, right? And and that's where all those websites come in. And, and even YouTube has great um, video clips on exploitation, sextortion, manipulation. Um, there's, there's, Google has a great interactive game for online safety for elementary aged kids, right? And then it's not letting your kids just do it on their own. It's sitting with them and, and doing it with them so you can have that conversation. Kids may roll their eyeballs at you, but this is a safety thing. Like I was just looking at um, an article, a research article, and there's safety on the internet per se. We can't, the, the social media platforms aren't really doing it for us. And, and we have to unfortunately do it for ourselves until they put in more more tools and, and take the initiative to um, make sure that kids are where they're supposed to be in the online world, right? And so because the onus is on the adult, um, right now we have to make sure that we can um, properly talk to our kids about what's going on in that world. In March of 2023, the BC government introduced proposed legislation called the Intimate Images Protection Act, which aims to stop the sharing of intimate images online. Does this proposed legislation go far enough for you? This proposed legislation is a, is a really good start. Now, I understand that BC, there's six other provinces who already have something in place. And so British Columbia looked at all the different legislation and acts in the different provinces and, and pulled together theirs. Um, it got tabled. It was a very emotional moment watching it get tabled in the legislature last week. Um, I am glad that my province of British Columbia has has created this Protection Act because I think it will be helpful. I think that if it had been around 10 and a half years ago or in, in 2010 when Amanda's image was shared out there and we could have gotten take we could have gotten it taken down. Um, the bullying and the cyberbullying might not have happened with Amanda's peers to her in judging and shaming her. As with everything, we have to be the overseers to make sure that our governments make it work. Having lived the horror of losing a child, channeling your grief into educating others, what would you say gives you hope moving forward? What gives me hope is when I look back ten and a half years ago, um, after Amanda died, and I see I saw what wasn't out there. And now I see what is out there. And I, I know that when we see the increase in numbers of victims or um, of bad actors out there using technology as a weapon, not a good tool, um, 
it's scary. But when you hear of protection acts, when you see um, media organization sites um, reporting on this topic, just to get the awareness out, when you see organizations put the resources out for parents to learn more about it, that gives me hope. Carol Todd, founder of the Amanda Todd Legacy Society, thank you for sharing your lived experience with us today. Thank you for having me. Be sure to watch the full video version of this interview or the podcast at whereparentstalk.com. I'm Leanne Castellino. Hope you'll join us next time. Sign up for Leanne's parenting newsletter and so much more at whereparentstalk.com. This is Where Parents Talk on 105.9 The Region.